This episode is going to be a little different. There's no quote unquote lesson to walk through or strict agenda. We are tackling a topic that we've teased in earlier episodes. They say that hindsight is twenty twenty, and that is the theme here. So today we are talking through all the wish we would have done in our travel business. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. We're going to break this out by topic because otherwise this would be all over the place. So we're going to start out with hosting, which I feel like feels actually kind of heavy to start with because a lot of people have kind of loaded emotions about their host, their consortium. All of that feels like a very big decision and it is. And that's actually my point. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think when you start in the business, you simply cannot know what you don't know. I do think that the industry internally puts so much weight on what affiliation you have consortium wise. And I was very proud of mine, especially in the end. I went through three. And so I feel like I've had a little bit of a taste of each and what they each had to offer. There are pros to all three. And I do believe in the power of affiliation. So I'll start with that. I started as travel leaders. We went to Traveler Made and Robin was still part of Traveler Made during that transition and then eventually went under Virtuoso independently. And that had kind of always been like a big picture goal for me before I even knew what it meant. Robin knows this about me. Like, I'm like, one day I'm going to be virtuoso. It's like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know, but people say it and for good reason. So I don't think that your consortium is make or break, but I do think that there are a lot of positives and I don't think that everyone has to be a part of one to get what they need out of it. I think that a lot of people could get exactly what they need out of travel leaders And there was a very definitive and obvious reason why we transitioned to Traveler Made. If you haven't heard of Traveler Made, they're more of a, they consider themselves a co-op community rather Mm -hmm. than a consortium. And I really liked that community feel. The thing that I have to say about hosting is that, again, I didn't know what I didn't know. I did interview under a very large host and I didn't hit the minimum sales because I was starting out. And they had a training program that would segue into being a full-fledged advisor under them. But if you guys know my story, you know that I had started as a itinerary creator. So at this point, when I interviewed, I had been in business for two years doing travel planning, but not in a commission-based role. And so I didn't want to take a step back and go into a training program when I felt like I had all this momentum And I went under a host that gave me a shot. And sometimes that's all you need to get started. And this host was so kind. They were with travel leaders. They were a smaller host, but she also had an agency in-house. That's the one thing that I think is interesting is finding the best fit for you host-wise. Do you want someone that is strictly hosting or that also has their own travel brand? Because I think that's an interesting dynamic to consider. I don't like to say 
that I would have done something differently because I am so grateful for the opportunity there. But I think I would have done more research so that I felt more confident in my decision and I didn't have to change hosts down the road. Because if you've changed hosts, you know what a task it is. So going in strong with knowing like I've picked the right host for my business model down the road and I've educated myself. And instead of doing what I do and jumping in head first, I think I would have dipped the toe and spent a lot more time educating myself on the nuances of the industry as a whole, and then applied that information to selecting a host that fit my long-term vision rather than my short-term need. I have a question for you. So what would you place more weight on for an advisor who's new in the industry? And they're like, I don't know, host versus consortium, which do you think matters more? Like to be under a really good host or to be under a stronger consortia with like a less hands-on host? In the beginning, 100% hands-on host. This is what I feel confident in is when we recruited as Explorator, I was with Traveler Made. Actually, we were with Travel Leaders, then went Traveler Made. So to me, it was more about like, who's going to help you learn the industry and provide the mentorship So if I had to pick one or the other, obviously you would like pick one that has it all, right? I think that's very rare that you have this like intimate connection. And when you're starting off very rarely is a virtuoso, and they probably are out there, where they're like hiring green. You know what I mean? Like if you're a virtuoso host, I feel like people typically want experience, right? I think that the, the larger brands might require that of the initial brand under them, but there are now a lot of advisors that are like being hosted and then they're recruiting these essentially like sub ICs and they're green. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing that as like a big movement where people will affiliate with a larger virtuoso brand and then they'll recruit green underneath them and provide the mentorship. The struggle with that, I feel for the I guess we'll call it a sub host at that point, essentially the person that's the main affiliation under that host is that you have to make your commission splits pretty non-competitive to make it make sense for a while. And it may not be advantageous for that sub IC unless you are really fostering their growth. You're committed to them and you're like, you know what, I'm going to help you build your workflow. I am going to mentor you so that you know the industry. To me, that's why someone would join at that point. Or if they're like, you know what, I'm going to do a lot of the grunt work to get fans and these intimate relationships. It's just hard once you start to get to a certain level of sales because these hosts do have a cap on how many industry, like how many people can attend industry events. And so I think there's a struggle there with Now you may be limited on applying to certain events based off of the number of attendees that your host has. So that's not even something that when you're starting out, you think about, but it is something long-term that impacts your growth and scalability is if you want to go to ILTM and there's only 10 spots for that host, they're probably going to go to their highest performers. So where can you go that you may not feel held back by that? And ultimately the answer is, I don't know, because even a smaller host, they're going to be proportionally invited. So they might only get one representative. 
we actually in niche, we have a host agency questionnaire that I think is really important for someone to be able to ask as they start out. And it's the questions that I wish I'd asked, even if I didn't know what they meant at the time. And that's the struggle, right? When you're starting out, you don't even know what the answers you want are from those questions. So Finding someone that's willing to mentor you, even if they're not within your host agency, would be imperative. So I guess that's the answer is primarily finding a mentor that's willing to take the time to foster your growth, then finding a host that supports that growth and puts you in front of the right suppliers and allows you the opportunity to apply for industry events and feel seen, even if you don't get to go in the beginning. And then your consortium is next. Because there were a lot of times at these industry events, I was asked like, what affiliation do you have? And that's when I felt like it mattered was when you get to a point where people are asking at industry events and there's either a connection because of it or there's not. And you almost feel like you're defensive if, if it doesn't align with what they want to hear. I also note that we transitioned because there were a lot more domestic connections with Virtuoso for suppliers as well as preferred commission rates, whereas Traveler Made was primarily European-based. I have no bad blood with Traveler Made. I had a fantastic experience with them. I love the, the intimate approach they take. And then Travel Leaders was a very large network, and they do have a preferred network that's a more elevated brand, but their, I would say the like foundation felt more cruise aligned. And so that wasn't in sync with what we were trying to do. And they had less what Virtuoso calls on-sites or DMCs. I felt like they were less focused on that and maybe a little leaned towards wholesalers a little bit more. So if you had to do it all over again, since you've seen like literally all facets, it feels like, what would you do? And I don't know, when we say this conversation, are we saying we're starting with all the knowledge we have now? Like if you and me were to be like, Teak is dissolved, we're going to relaunch like our own travel businesses? Or are we thinking way back in the day? Yeah, let's take the approach that we were launching another travel business tomorrow. We're not myth debunked. Okay, guys, don't don't take that. People always ask us if we're gonna turn into a host. So yeah. We're the non-host hosts (laughs) with our niche community. Okay, so if I were starting tomorrow, I would interview multiple hosts that had an infrastructure that supported mentorship basically an an owner that cared to connect with me when I joined, I would look for competitive terms, but I would actually look for terms to transition to a flat rate fee at a certain level rather than a commission split so that I could feel like I had the autonomy over my own finances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big one that's happening right now. And I would look for a commission split that got to at least 90-10 as long as I felt like I could get to a place where I was self-sufficient. I am not saying that if you if you don't have a model that's 90-10, to me, I think that there's a point to the, the scale and it is you need more help when you're at a 50-50 or a 60-40. And then as you need less help, that's why your commission split should essentially, you should be growing to your benefit. And once you're self-sufficient, that's why I think I would prefer like the option of when I get to the point of 90-10, converting to a flat rate fee per month for overhead so that I had the choice. And there are going to be waxes and wanes to 
business and being able to kind of pick a path, I think would make me feel more in control. I will say, we're really going down a road here. We went independent and we went outside of a host because I didn't feel like I could find a host that supported that sub agency model and allowed me to mentor and grow my team. Well, you also would have still had agents underneath you. You would have still wanted to have your agents. Cause I think that plays a huge role into like, cause if I were to do it again, I would never have an agent under me. Like I, right. would, I would be the one booking. I would not take on that role personally, I really liked it. But if I were to do that, I would need to be at a place where I'm not booking at all. You are correct. Okay. So I'm blurring the lines between like what I wish I'd known back then to what I would do now. And the answer is one, if I were launching tomorrow, I would find a consortium with great preferred relationships that I knew had strong connections that would get me the perks and amenities that I desired for my target audience. Point of clarification, my target audience. And that could mean anything. And I would scale to a point where I needed a client experience manager to take the back end. I would handle sales proposals. I would hand off all of the rest. I would outsource a CFO and I would have a part time VA do small tasks, like I would a marketing focused VA. That's what I would do. So you'd have an internally based team, no external like booking agents under you. Correct. And if I grew to the point where the business was too much, I would hire an additional advisor on salary. And I'll be honest, I don't even think that I would allow them to bring their own book of business because I wouldn't want to mess with the splits changing if they brought someone in or not. It's just like if you work at I'm going to use an air conditioning company because that's my foundation. That's my family's business. So if someone signs a planned maintenance agreement, they are given a spiff, like a a bonus, but they're not given a cut necessarily of that client forever and ever. Amen. But they are given a spiff and they are given a retention spiff if they come back. So I think that's the approach I I would take is maybe a flat fee of bringing someone in, but they would be on salary. There would be a profit. uh, This is my dream, dream structure, a profit sharing system set up based off of their deliverables. So like everyone got their wrap up documents on time. There were no errors. There would be specific metrics measured against their profit sharing. Because when you have an error that you have to fix, it dips into your profits. So having a client experience manager be in quality control of that and have them be incentivized for accuracy, to me, would be a huge, huge, huge win. Yeah, I agree. I would never take any independent agents. I honestly wouldn't have anybody selling underneath me either. Like even in the case where business got too much, I would never get to a point where it's like I'm hiring on a full-time person to book the travel. I would just, in my mind, raise my fees if my business is way too high and I can't Uh get to the demand. All of a sudden, my fee and my minimum is going up. And for the seasonal help, I would hire in seasonal help for summer months, for like January, the January travel boom to like help me where I'm just so heads down in sales and somebody else's. They're sitting on the sales call with me and taking all this information and then doing on the back end for me so I can get to the next sales conversation. I think I would primarily keep it all me. But my caveat to all of that is if I were to do it again, I would have had a way smarter profitability model 
and I would not be relying solely on my done for you services. I would infuse ways to do affiliate marketing to make revenue. I would infuse ways to create like little profit for your time sort of situations Mm -hmm. where people can buy consultation calls with me and stuff like that. Like I would not only do planning of travel. I would diversify your services. I would be looking at ways to do passive income. I would be looking at ways to do affiliate marketing. So it's not always just me in the weeds doing. There's also a course or something that somebody can buy about travel planning to the Caribbean or their honeymoon or something like that, or download or whatever it looks like, but putting more eggs into like an affiliate marketing basket that's bringing in revenue that I don't even have to do anything. I don't have to service the sale. Mm -hmm. I just need to give people the information and like the background. So I think I would almost go to like a personal brand model, which is something I never would expect for me, but it would be a personal travel brand, almost like an influencer. (laughs) That's a bad word, but like a travel influencer in a way where it's, oh, like Robin just, you know, she travels all over. When I'm buying things on Amazon for my trip to Italy, I'm going to Robin's Amazon account because she is the best recommendation. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would not be a business brand. I would be a personal brand. Uh, so, yes, I want to asterisk this is that I have absolutely no regrets. Like, I was in a very different season of life when I started the business. So, like, me choosing not to have a team is not to say that I didn't love the team. I loved growing a team that filled you my like mentorship. I love mentorship. It and that's like, in you, I feel like, yeah, that's why I love the niche community, but I'm talking. So at, right now in this season of life, I'm thinking what is the most efficient and what gives me the most value for my time. And I agree with you fully that that is an independent brand typically because you're not handling escalations of someone that is affiliated with your brand. So like that was the thing that as I was growing the team, everyone was under one brand. They weren't under their own brand, which adds complexity to it as well, because now someone wants the owner, right? If something goes wrong and that was escalated while I'm still trying to manage my book of business. And it added a whole different layer of stress. So I will say if my model had stayed in a team model, I would operate truly as a host and provide mentorship and amenities that made me competitive, like our elevated experience workflow would already be loaded in Travel Joy for them with their branding. Like there would be an onboarding process that set them up for success. We would talk about how they can create their marketing. And instead of each week being like a supplier coffee chat, it would be like a best business practice training. And I think that would be much more advantageous down the road. It would have given me the space to breathe and build my own brand. And let's pause on branding. Let's lob it back to you for a second. What would you do for the sake of this conversation? We're assuming that Robin is operating independently because we're not, we, we preface this as before we started recording saying like, let's assume we're starting our own brands and we're not under the same umbrella. What would you have done differently or what would you do tomorrow? I would not need a hands-on host at all. I would actually want to have the least hands-on host possible. And I would, like you said, look for a flat rate, pay this fee for the year, get 100% commission split. Because in my mind, that's like great overheads taken care of. Now comes into me selling and making sure I'm marketing my services well enough to get those leads coming in the door and I'm converting at a high rate. So it feels like it's just way more controllable. And I know that I could get those sales numbers pretty quickly. And it just, that just would feel the best for me. 
I don't know, consortium wise. I guess I was never technically under virtuoso. And in my mind, that never held me back from being a really good advisor. That never held my clients back from really good experiences. I think that having... Because if we stayed, if I wanted to stay and keep my European travel base, I would have probably been fine with Traveler Made because they were so yeah. good with Europe. So ultimately, consortia comes down to what's going to benefit my client. So I need to know who my client is first, yeah. I think, before I'm picking a consortia that makes sense. Like, what if I'm wanting, you know, something like Traveler Made where I'm going to stay around and yeah, like, because at the end of the day, I think you're in control of your client experience a lot more than yeah. we give ourselves credit for. And again, yeah, some people, some travelers know what virtuoso is. The majority don't. And I just, not hating on any consortia, I think they're all incredible and they offer their people different things, but they offer different audiences. Like I think they're good for certain target Correct. audiences. And a lot of people just don't take their target audience into account okay. when thinking through consortia. They just, I want to be up for this award at this consortia. I want to be up and go to this event with this consortia. It, it boils down to your target audience. Like you said, to me, when I thought that affiliation is getting better fans, it was because my target audience was aligned with those fans. It wasn't because status-wise or monetarily, one was better than the other. And I agree with you that like there are certain affiliations that target a more luxury market. Right. And so... You just have to be cognizant, like what is in all honesty, ignore imposter syndrome, ignore what everyone says I should be having, ignore the person that is at the industry event asking what consortium I am. And all of a sudden I feel like I'm under a microscope, ignore all of that and do the work to evaluate your target audience, which I would say if it's virtuoso, it could also be signature. It could also be traveler made. And there's just, a, there's a lot of evaluation that goes into it. You need to look at number of partners within their network, commission splits, target audience. And those I would say are the three tenants that you need to look at. I think a host gets you the foundation and the support. And then once you are at a certain level of selling, then it is reliant on that affiliation to elevate your game because it's going to be how that supplier treats your client in the destination. Mm -hmm. But that only matters if your target audience is ever going to interact with that supplier. So. Exactly. <laughs> I could have the best. So we do. We have the best reps in Experience Morocco. They're one of my favorite people to work with. But if my clients aren't luxury Moroccan travelers and they're looking for a Caribbean, that connection doesn't do as much for me. So all I'm saying here, my biggest point is, and something that I wish someone would have banged over my head earlier in the industry when I first started out, is your consortia and your host will only take you so far. You don't need that to be super successful. Yeah. Like you should be, your business model is going to do that. Your services, your client experience, your brand experience is going to make you a good advisor. And when you are so good at what you do and you're making in this like really impressive money, regardless of like, if it's only travel sales, maybe you do diversify your income and all of a sudden your travel sales aren't as high, but your affiliate market's so high that you're making a lavish salary and you're working way less. Yeah. And that's the thing that I get so hung up on that where I'm like, God, I just wish we could break through these like weird barriers that we're setting for ourselves because yeah. we're not, well, I can't be as good as so-and-so because I'm this 
consortium or I'm this whatever. And it's like, what? Here's what it boils down to, I think, is that you are the company you keep. So if you're evaluating your host, your consortium affiliation, if you're whatever you're evaluating, surround yourself by the people you want to be like. So if you're looking to your left and your right, and we talked about this in our Cheesecake Factory (laughs) comparison podcast, but if you're looking to your left and your right and you're at your host's annual retreat, And you feel like I want to be like either of them. They both have amazing attributes to their business. Mm -hmm. Then you're probably sitting in the right room. Correct. If you can't say that, then I would say maybe you're not sitting in the right room. That doesn't mean you can't be successful there and then go to the other room, knock on another door. So to me, I feel like I started in a place that gave me a great foundation I grew to a place where that did not align with my long-term goals anymore. And I picked a different path. Or your target audience, really. Yeah. I mean, that's what it boiled down to more so. 100%. The suppliers we needed were in a different... In a different space. Yeah. So I think that's a good rule of thumb too, because I don't want to ever minimize the role that a a great host plays. So important. But it's hard in the beginning when you don't know what's going on and you don't know what room you're supposed to be in and you don't know your target audience and you're like with a host and then there's weird bad blood when you leave the host. Mm -hmm. Ton of work on your end to get with a new host and transferring hosts and and what goes into the softwares that you now have to learn and move over commit. Like it's just, it's kind of like in school when you go to college and they're like, what's your major? And you're like, I don't know. I'm 19. And they're like, (laughs) right now you need to pick what you're doing the rest of your life. And you're like, I don't even know what I like, but I guess I'll just do pre-med because that's, it sounds fun to be a doctor. It felt like the same thing in travel where it's like host, like, okay, I got a host. You know what I mean? And like, I think that just comes down and maybe people are better about it now, but like getting to really know before you accept somebody into your host agency, like their goals, what do you, what do they think they want to do? You know what I mean? And I wish one day we could be okay with blessing and releasing. I know you're pouring money into these people who are under you. It's hard. It is Coming from the host side, it is very emotional when you feel like you've built a brand, especially as you take into account those people in your marketing and branding efforts because you want to create a space where they grow and then they still feel like they outgrow. Then that is, it feels like a personal attack, you know? But it's not. It's weird too, because yeah, you wanted to start a business. You wanted to grow your business. So like you had to get out from under a host, but then everybody wants to get out from you to grow their business and you're mad. Like it's just, it's like a weird dynamic. And again, I think it goes back into a little bit of ego. Like how could you not want what this is? Like, yeah, perfect for you. I've created everything you want. Whereas like, you don't know what everyone wants. And sometimes people would just want change. Like it actually has nothing to do with what you're offering. It's just like, I just want to look at the world a little differently today. And to your point about the like picking a major, I think that's rings so true because life only gets more complicated. It gets less easy for you to change your career path. And then people get caught up in these careers that they actually don't love, but it's way too much work to pursue education in another realm. And that's also how hosting is because business never gets less. I mean, ideally we had one setback. We won't talk about that, but like Business, if you're really chugging along, it's never going to get easier to be like, let me put everything on pause and redo everything and use a different IATA number now and change from CLIA to IATA and then change how I'm tracking and then also change CRMs 
and have to track down my commission from this. And I don't even know where it's coming from at this point. It's never going to get easier. So that would be my words of wisdom is to anyone that's starting out in the industry. It's probably a little too late if you're listening to this podcast because you're in it. Take the time to find the right fit. Even if that means that you're going to start your business a month later than you were excited to. A lot of front end research. And again, I think as business owners, it's so easy to just dive head first. And yeah, that's what sounds good. And that's what feels good in our hearts. And then we're doing it. And we're like, oh, wait, back up. And I mean, you can only learn so much without doing. You can only consume so much information before it's time to put the pedal to the metal and make a move and know that you might have to make a different move down the line. I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily not knowing. We have years of experience and we're looking back on all of this with the experience we had, but like in the moment, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just doing. And sometimes you do have to just do before you're able to actually. Yeah. Again, hindsight's 2020. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Brand identity. Robin, this is your thing. And I feel like you've like probably thought about this. If you were, so we've discussed that you would be more of a personal brand, almost like a lifestyle brand, if you will, with a travel planning focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what would it feel like? What would it look like to you? Because we have always discussed that a brand should feel like a party. And originally, I was thinking about this in my thinking shower the other day. I was thinking about how you used to say that you would be like a candlelit wine party. But then the other day you mentioned, I'm kind of like the happy hour. Mm-hmm. I think I would go back to happy hour. I think that's, I would go a little bit less formal. It just, and I have no problem being formal. I really don't have a problem with that at all. But like for the person that I would want to be targeting in travel, I would want the trendy traveler personally. So I'd probably be looking more at like the European and Cabo, like a little bit less kink. Mm-hmm. I was doing maybe a little bit less Caribbean, maybe throw in a sugar beach occasionally, but do more of like the trendy. I'm 30, like mid 30s people who have a little bit more discretionary income because they've been in their workforce for a little while. But I would, if you've ever, I don't know if you follow like Reformation, it's a clothing brand. They're copywriters genius. It's, they have this little, when you go on their website at the bottom, it's like one of those, I get so annoyed when people like spam you with pop ups on, when you land on a clothing sign, it's like 10% off, 20% off. And I always click out. I always click out too. I don't click out of theirs because they're like, this is a bribe. (laughs) 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 Your butt will thank us. And it's like their new jeans launching. I want copy like that. Like I would have a very fun, informal brand that almost just feels like you're talking to like that, almost not raunchy best friend, but the best friend is like, you really just said that in front of people that you barely know. I want, I would want my brain to feel like that. Like the best friend who kind of caught you off guard with like, oh my gosh, like that came out of your mouth. I would want to do some more daring marketing. I would want to do some more daring copy. And I think it would resonate really, really well with the influencer marketing. Uh-huh. I would want to target more of those influencers who are traveling as like a, oh, like I booked my trip. I used, you know, whatever Robin's brand name would be. And it was amazing. She's so fun to work with. And it just feels like a party the whole time. You want fun and quippy. Fun and quippy for sure. I would and like you want the tags. Like your traveler is going to tag or they're going to make a TikTok when they're on site. Right. And, and a TikTok that's like... To tag me in that TikTok. They're yes. not going to just do it to do it. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, like I want, I want to share you because you're so freaking funny. 
and you're so fun to work with. So like my workflow would be quippy and like my forms would not be boring forms. Everything would be very intentional and I would intentionally hire a brand designer right off the bat. I would hire a copywriter through and through and not just have them write my website copy, but I would have a copywriter going through my workflow emails and tweaking to my tone and creating a brand messaging guide that all of my employees who come on are supposed to like read and actually consume and understand the brand because I would ideally want to hire somebody with like that same kind of like quick sense of humor where it's like, Oh my gosh, that was such a funny phrase you just said. So I think it's an interesting point that you just made because it was always so frustrating that people wouldn't tag. Right. And there is this generation of travelers that are like, I want the credit for this cool thing that I did. But if you make yourself a status brand, yeah, then they're willing to tag it because now there's this elevation. Like I was so cool that I got to work with so-and-so, which I do think comes with a high ticket value. Usually people are willing to share a status, but they're not willing to share that they outsourced if it doesn't really do anything to elevate the perception externally. Attention travel advisors in need of a fresh, captivating website that showcases your unique style and services. Look no further than TonicSiteShop.com, your ultimate destination for stunning website templates designed for the modern entrepreneur. Tonic offers a curated collection of beautifully crafted website and social media templates that will transform your online presence. With their intuitive designs and customizable features, you can create websites that perfectly represent your brand and captivate your clients. Imagine dazzling your website visitors with breathtaking visuals, showcasing awe-inspiring destinations, and enticing them to embark on unforgettable journeys with you. Tonic makes it all possible. Whether you specialize in luxury getaways, adventure travel, or bespoke itineraries, Tonic has the perfect template to suit your unique style. From elegant layouts to seamless navigation, your new website will leave a lasting impression on your clients. We actually used Tonic's social media and website templates when we launched our rebrand at the beginning of the year, and I cannot express how easy they made the entire process. Worried about the technical aspects? Don't be. Tonic's templates are designed and show it to be user-friendly, allowing you to easily customize and update your website without any coding knowledge. It's as simple as adding your own content and images. So say goodbye to outdated websites and hello to a fresh, modern online presence that sets you apart from the competition. Boost your credibility and attract new clients with a website that shows off your expertise and passion for travel. Your old website is already jealous. Head on over to tonicsiteshop.com to browse their collection of stunning templates and start building your dream website that will leave a lasting impression on your clients. And be sure to use the code TEEKSENTME at checkout for 15% off your purchase. That's T-I-Q-U-E, sent me, all one word, at checkout. I would want the person who's like kind of putting it all out on the line. And I used to work with people who were very high income, but they were discreet when they traveled. So it's like no one knew you were traveling. And when you were traveling, you weren't posting about it. You weren't sharing. So it was like, cool, you're working with NFL players, but like, they're not No, they're not gonna talking about you. They're sharing me with people. And I got in with my husband's agent. So he was sharing me with other people across the league. And that was great. But again, <laughs> it only gets you so far because they're not going to promote you organically online. And I think that's where the money really lied for me was like, cool, I have this fan base that, or I have this base that everyone's going to want. And I didn't really want it because it was like, well, these, yeah, just share me with your people. And it's like, well, no, because I don't want anyone to know I'm at this resort. 
that was kind of a holdback, but I would want to go and be that almost have an influencer marketing, like outreach program, like reach out to them and be like, this is what I do. Some sort of affiliate partnership or something with them, something I would really want to get with somebody and kind of talk through what that could possibly look like. I know so many influencers around here that I would love to sit down with. And even if they're micro influencers, where they're I was not just going to say, you got to get in with those people who yeah. are like 25K or 50K. And I hate that that's even sort of micro influencing now, but those are the people who have a really loyal fan base. Yeah. So you target them and then get them sharing on social for these cool trips. And where are people at that age going? They're going to the cool resort in Cabo. They're going to Europe on like a multi-leg, you know, trip through Europe or whatever. So that's where I would really focus my time. They're probably not safari people yet. Maybe they're bored, but I don't know, but that would be my brand. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be different because a lot of what I'm seeing in travel advising is it's organic colors. It's soft. It's it's elegant. It's timeless. I want to go different. I want to be yeah. different in the industry. I want people to look at me and be like, dang, I've never That's seen somebody cool. do that before. Like, Look at that bright color she's using on her website. Incredible. I would be investing in photography and getting brand shoots done on like a biannual basis. My brand would be really buttoned up. So I feel like that also, depending on the scale of the trip, then it would be like, you know what? I've gifted you a flytographer gift card because you've like accounted for it in your fee. You're cool. Your status, you can afford to do these things now because you've incorporated into your fee, like a, a photo session where you also get the content, right? Mm-hmm. Or you are, so say they go to Cabo and there's like the cool Corazon hats, which I'm mm-hmm. like obsessed with, Right. Corazon Playaro. So that then you've like gotten a custom one made and you've put it in their room for them with a note. And it's like, that person's definitely going to tag you because one, they're probably also going to tag the designer because they want that status thing. So knowing that that person wants to show you off is a different vibe than like you said, the high end I don't even want to say necessarily ultra luxe because not every pro athlete is going ultra luxe. They're, they're going luxe, but they sometimes want to fly under the radar. And when people get into that space, they start to think like, well, I'm going to get this very famous person. So they're definitely going to show me off on social. And you're not likely that that's actually going to happen unless you have an agreement with them. Because to them, sponsorships mean money for one, because they've monetized their brand as a human. So there might be a kind of like a fee to that. And then two, they don't really want people to know where they are to begin with. So like you might be working against yourself in that way if you're targeting that market, thinking they're going to do the marketing for you. That is still on your front. You need to know referrals are going to be big. Yes. No word of mouth is going to be big, but you need to be good enough to get that word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It's not just given freely. I don't want to target that person anymore. Again, I would go for the people who are like, I share my life on social media and I like it. And that's mm-hmm. fun. Like, cause those people are the people who are like, Oh, I bought this bookshelf on Amazon. Let me show you about it. They show everything. So they're yeah. more likely to be like, Oh, I worked with her. It was so awesome. Like blah, blah, blah. So, and again, does that count if you are a micro influencer and you're sharing my stuff on your Instagram after we book? Does that look like a discount on your service fee? Maybe. Maybe it does. Maybe there's something like that I'm including into my service packages or something like that. And that includes that flightographer into that service Mm -hmm. package, that flightographer gift card or something. 
That's a lot of food for thought for people. And I like that because it challenges what we expect these well-known people to do. And it's a little dose of reality that it's not going to happen for you. And I know people that went down that path and then only got frustrated because the someone wasn't tagging them online or things like that. So if you want cool people to tag you, they need to also think you're cool. Essentially is what it boils down to. They just need to have a likeness to you. And that's not to say you have to have a cool brand. If you have if they have a formal brand and you want to be tagged, you probably have to feel like a kindred connection with someone in order to have that mutual fueling of each other's identity. Well, it's like looking at your ideal audience. Yeah. If you're like only, you know, if you're only going after those execs and they aren't really sharing their lives on social media, they're not showing their kids faces. They're probably not going to help you with marketing again, referral program. Maybe that's the route we go with them. Mm -hmm. Again, it all comes down to knowing who you want to market to and where they shop, what they what they're doing online. Like, not even what platforms are they on. I'm on Instagram all the time, but very rarely am I posting stories the way my yeah. friends are posting stories. Like, it's very infrequent if it's at all. So, I probably would be the worst person to go after if I'm looking for like that brand who's wow over the top because that's just not where I share my stuff on social media. So, again, it all comes down to like actually doing the research and understanding your audience a little bit more. I think mine would go more formal just again, because I've been in a different season of life and recently, and I feel like now my ideal traveler has changed. I used to love, love, love creating more economical trips and giving people this first trip to Europe kind of feeling. What I found was I was competing with Airbnb And that was a struggle to try and convert these people to travel advisor believers. And I also was targeting people that weren't traveling. (laughs) Like when I think about it, I'm like, I'm targeting the person that's never been to Europe. Okay. Why? Why am I targeting? (laughs) And and that in itself doesn't really make sense. I know why, because I, I'm excited about something and I want to share it with them. And it came from a very authentic place, which I love because brand authenticity makes sense. You have Mm -hmm. to like put on the dress that fits well. Otherwise you're going to look real uncomfortable when you're standing at that party the whole time, tugging at your dress and feeling like you just aren't in your own skin. So the brand identity I had, I think felt good for a while because I wanted to share something I was excited about with people. But now a lot of the people that I would target, if they come to my brain, I'm like, they are going to be attracted to reliability rather than fun. The people that I would be targeting now, they don't have a lot of time to be away from their family and friends. They do have discretionary income, but they're still discerning about it. And I would create a very like steadfast and reliable brand, a very easy to navigate website. I would this would go into communication because I do think that's part of brand. I would have very business-like boundaries so that it felt like a reliable business to them. Because to me, an accountant understands that you're going to make an appointment online. I'm not going to text my accountant. I would make it almost like if you think about a real estate website where it's got that kind of air of formality to it, where it's like Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's black and white and I would almost go that route so that the realtors and the lawyers, the accountants can relate to that type of brand rather than creating this fun-loving brand because it almost communicates 
this is fun, not a business, disregard my boundaries. When you think of like the palm tree logo or that kind of thing, it almost, that's not to say, I mean, I I definitely had a compass in my logo. So I think I would just steer away from a logo completely. And it would be a simple brand because I want to evoke this very formal business approach from the immediate second that someone lands on the website. This is a business. This is not fun. This is a transaction, which sounds silly, but not to the person that is strictly looking for the seamless experience, like the LinkedIn connection, rather than the person you met next to you on the plane. Right. And that's a big shift for me because I definitely wanted the fun brand. I wanted to be very approachable. That was like a number one word that I used. But now I think I would want the discerning consumer, not even the discerning traveler, the discerning consumer that's looking for reliability and a process that makes them feel confident, which would then lead into my client experience, which would be less quippy, probably more clear and concise, maybe a little shorter. It would be very clear what my packages were. I would have very specific itemization on what you're getting when you pick a package intake call up to one hour. Like It would be so tight when it came to someone picking from a menu. And I would call it a menu, a services menu. And it would just be like if someone is going to the hairdresser, I don't go sit in the seat at the hairdresser and be like, I'm here for a trim. Can you throw some dye in it and expect it to be free because I'm taking another hour of their time and their resources? So I would run my business very much like that, where like it was quantified for the person exactly what they're getting and there's no gray area. And if they've worked with another travel advisor before, that might be a very confusing model to them. But I would also want the person that's, I'm booking F1 and my package is probably going to start at 50K. And I wouldn't book the honeymoon crowd as much because I don't want someone that has time to pick it apart. I want someone that's, you nailed it. You took a psychological approach. You match made me to these properties and I'm ready to purchase. But I think that is a very all-encompassing approach. And that's, I mean, I guess we should have ended with brand because everything we're going to touch on is going to relate to brand identity because that's what your brand should be. It should be not just what it looks like, but how it feels throughout the entire process. Yeah, I love that. So that would be my niche. I think I would focus definitely my marketing on multi-leg complex trips. I would I would market the complexity and talk about the seamless experience I can provide and take the complexity out of travel rather than use luxury or even a specific destination. It would be discerning complex and straightforward delivery of a client experience. And all that to say... I would still have boundaries. Like I would still want to be fun. You can have boundaries and be fun. I feel like some people are like, well, if I'm too formal or if I'm informal, then I can't, my clients are going to be like, oh, we're besties and we're friends. And it's like, you can still have boundaries. I think you implement boundaries in a more fun way where people buy into it, right? If someone reached out to you by email, it could be like a email that comes back and it's like, hold your horses. Let's do this first. And it's like your inquiry form. You know, like I think there's a fun way of implementing boundaries so that people don't feel turned off 
Well, self-care is cool now, right? Like protecting yeah. pieces are really trendy, cool thing. I think a lot, yeah, a lot of people are like, well, if I'm fun, like I have to be available all the time. No, wrong. Well, wouldn't that be like you're out of office? Like yeah. self-care is cool now, right? And it's like, I'm out of the office because I'm spending time with family. Mm-hmm. Infusing that quippiness so that it people are like, you're right. Okay, you're practicing what you preach. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about boundaries. What would you immediately implement if you were building a brand from a ground up i have a list i literally like i i know my list of what what i would do completely differently from day one you're listening to this podcast you are no stranger to the fact that i love organization the reality is that organization isn't everyone's strong suit but it's necessary to have a healthy business systems and automation is truly the only way to run a company as a solopreneur that is why we use clickup all-in-one platform designed to revolutionize your workflow and take your small business to new heights. With ClickUp, you can say goodbye to scattered information, endless email chains, and missed deadlines. Streamline your tasks, projects, and client communication all in one place. ClickUp's intuitive interface and customizable features allow you to tailor the platform to fit your unique business needs. From project management to client collaboration, you'll have all the tools you need at your fingertips. With our growing team, this platform has been a game changer for the way that we run our internal operations. With ClickUp, Jen and I can assign tasks to the team members, track their progress, and keep everybody on the same page. With real-time updates and notifications, you'll never miss a beat. Stay ahead of deadlines with automated reminders and easily delegate responsibilities, freeing up your time to focus on what you do best, creating unforgettable travel experiences for your clients. Ready to revolutionize your travel business? Visit ClickUp.com using the affiliate link in our show notes and discover the power of streamlined productivity. Sign up for a free trial and see firsthand how ClickUp can transform your workload and take your business to new heights. I would only book business class airfare, no economy airfare. And I would make that clear that anyone working with me, I'm land only unless you're booking business class airfare. So that would be boundary one for me because it's important to me that I'm not on the phone all the time servicing something that doesn't put money in my pocket. I would have a transaction fee for that business class airfare too, not just commission because people are usually willing to pay for that. If they're willing to pay for business class airfare, I would be tacking on a $100 management fee per person. Then I would have a starting minimum, probably around 750 and use a fee calculator. I mean, I would definitely use a fee calculator, but my starting fee would be around 750 so that I know that the majority of the trips that are coming in the door are going to land probably around 1200 to 1500 after the complexities are accounted for. So additional legs, another $100, additional people, $100 per head. So you're, you're going to get there quickly. And if they're not willing to commit, I don't consider that a loss. Like I would rather take two people, two trips that are paying that than take six trips that month. And I would be willing to wait for the right client to come in rather than building a book of business of people that are not willing to spend that. Because I, that is what I think hurt me was like the impatience and thinking, Everyone else is booking all the people. Okay, well, cool. I just booked 12 people for the year and I made $2,400 and it's fine. Or sorry, $24,000. Math is hard. You know, booking 12 trips and making $24,000 before commission, to me, that's a model that's worth waiting for rather than saying like, I don't charge fees while you're waiting a year to get that commission that might not show up anyway. Why are you wasting energy in this direction? And I would have a service menu 
that almost people could read through. I don't know how this would work, but I would have a very robust form per trip type. So I would have a form per safari type. And then I would have like a how we work guide built into my system somehow that allows people to review the amenities and say what basically like what package are you most interested in hearing about? And they would select that before they ever get on the inquiry call with me. And it would say like starting at, starting at like different starting points. So one, before I get on the sales call, they know the starting point of each fee. They know there's going to be a fee affiliated with that. And I would also, all of those questions that we've recommended recently of adding into your inquiry form, like, please understand that all suppliers have contracts. You'll be receiving this as bundled rates. Like I do a lot more education on the front end and I would maximize, this is not a boundary, but I would maximize SEO so that I was getting in front of the right people so that the people landing on my website were genuinely interested in the level of service that I was providing. Oh yeah. I love that thing about airfare. That's number one thing I would as well do because airfare is tricky, tricky. And it's the first thing to get hairy, scary when I'm Mm -hmm. berserk. I think what I would do before I build any sort of service fees or services, I would send out like some sort of survey to my audience and ask what level of service they prefer and then create my services based on those answers, which sounds like the laziest business owner in the world. But like, I think the most successful people listen to their audience before they do things. So that's something I would do is what level of handholding do you like? I don't know, just give them enough leading questions to give me the answers to make packages where it's like a lower lift package, a medium lift package and a high lift. You're getting a lot more hands-on support from me during the process so that I could charge appropriately. And then again, use that calculator we have inside of our some figure sales spreadsheet or whatever that's like calculating services based on the time I'm spending on each service. There would be a lot. But honestly, I think before I even set up anything in my business, I would be setting up a really robust ClickUp for my internal yeah. project management system. Like before I even take clients, I would set up my backend businesses first because I think that's where business boundaries get really lost is when we don't know what's going on. So we're just like yes. running around like a chicken with our head cut off and we're like, what day is it? I'm just, my hair's on fire. Instead, I would want to set that up. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't work on the weekends. I have an auto Mm -hmm. return, like all of those kind of things. I don't even know if that was technically business or more so client experience, but. Well, I would definitely be using DMCs more frequently for complex trips. Because if my target market is complex trips, having someone in the destination to field those emergencies would have been paramount for me. So having certain levels of support as a required minimum for my business. I would love to work with the people that are getting the VIP customs transfer, especially if they have a short connection, because then they have someone there with them that's going to help them find that new flight if they miss that flight. By having a different target audience that is willing to invest in a certain level of support that can be provided in the destination, I think is a boundary in itself. And I do think that At a certain level, like Ultralux, people expect you to be a little bit on call. So there's kind of a delicate dance. But another boundary I would have done from day one is make it clear that I don't text, but also have a Google number that goes to my inbox and I can screen things that way because I 
lived just in total like reactionary trigger mode from any text, any ringtone, anything like that. And waking up and seeing a text in the middle of the night, I immediately thought it was someone missing a flight. And I think most people can relate to that. But by having a different ringtone for it, I think I would have been able to relax a lot more if I'd had Google Voice and just created these pockets of business and blurred the line a lot less of personal from day one would have made me feel much more in control of my personal life. And I think most advisors get on this path where they want to create an intimate connection with their client. So they start to blur the line between personal and business. And then they find themselves on this like hamster wheel of responding to texts and they can't get off because they gave their client permission one time to push a boundary and it just snowballed for them. And then it's hard to get, it's hard to re-educate someone when you're the one that broke the rule. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. People will always push the boundaries and if you let them, they'll keep pushing. I also think that I would have been very legally savvy from day one and had a lawyer comb through all the possibilities of the contract, look through my workflow, made sure that signatures were adequately captured at different touch points. So a legal focus would be big, especially post-COVID, where I do feel like people are challenging things even more. Like America is very Sue happy anyway. But then post-COVID, it's like people thought they could cancel trips very easily. And so now making sure that you are communicating what can be canceled, what cannot, and educating people within your bounds as a non-broker about insurance and capturing that information properly, insurance would be a big focus for me. I would be very empowering for people to get insurance. And I think that I'm, I don't know, I would, I would check with a lawyer first. But I think that I would lay the foundation from the intake call and say, I do only accept travelers who are willing to purchase insurance. If you don't want to buy cancel for any reason insurance with your trip, then I am not the advisor for you Mm -hmm. because it protects your commission. It protects your sanity. So I think business class airfare and cancel for any reason insurance would be minimum expectations for accepting those things. Okay. We have gone on longer than we anticipated. So we are going to make this a part one and two episode. So the next episode, we will be talking about marketing approaches, our client experience specifically, might even get into referral program and some gifting and talk about education as well as maybe even dabble more into some other passive income ideas. So more to come. That was a lot. And we kind of foresaw that this might go a little bit longer. So we gave ourselves permission to cut this into two episodes before we even hit record. Thank you for joining another Teen Talks episode. If you're loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teen Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. 
head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.